Hello and welcome to episode 6 of The Wine Club. Today we speak to someone who was brought up on a Cambridgeshire farm in the middle of nowhere and then went on to become Team GB's street skateboarder in the Olympics. Many sponsors, handrail destroyer, we're going to rinse the hints today on The Wine Club. Who are you guys working for? Who is this? It's uh, Skate Wine. Oh, beautiful. Did you say Skate Wine? Yeah. Yes, sir. Welcome to episode six, I believe. And we have an amazing Olympic skateboarder, Mr. Joe Hinson. Hello, Mr. Joe Hinson. How is it? Hello. I don't know about Olympic, but I guess. I guess I can call it Olympic now. You're just about to Dubai, haven't you? Yeah, it's pretty nice. I don't, I don't think it's pretty weird saying Olympic skateboarder, though. Straight off the bat, as I've been asking everyone else, what would you describe yourself as, as a wine bottle? No idea. I don't even know. I don't know nothing about wine. I can't say I've drunk wine in my life, so <laughs> no idea. All right, just any general drink. Yeah, I don't know. I can't say I've ever thought about myself as a drink. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Great answer. Professional, professional questions. I thought I'd get from you, Rob. Yeah, talk about the Olympics. How was Dubai? It was good, yeah. It's pretty nuts that it's like a full-on Olympic sport now. It still blows my mind that we're doing that. Dubai was sick. It was like the park's really good. There was like a massive, like, there was like three skate parks in one area, which was like nuts. And the parks are all like twice as good as any of the parks that are in the UK. It's just pretty crazy. And it's just in the middle of a desert, pretty much, which is pretty nuts. I went out to Dubai in I think it was 2015, and there was only there was only like two or three parks, I believe. So it's insane how their development of skateboarding and skate parks. I mean, it goes to show how mainstream skateboarding is now. So how were the how was the park built? Were they good? Is it California skate parks that have made them? I think it's California skate parks. They were built really good. Like there's no complaints at all from me about how the skate parks were built, which is strange because normally I complain a lot. So. <laughs> I was stoked when I got there. Part was sick, so oh, that's I really can't good worry about it at all. And where did where did everyone come? How did you and Alex Takuna do? And how many entrants were there? I can't. It's really bad. I can't actually remember how the like the placing anymore. I've got a terrible memory of that stuff. But like there were and the same thing with how many people were there. I know there was a few. I think it was the. I can't remember exact numbers, but I know it was the most that's ever been entered for a contest, like an Olympic contest. That was the most that's ever been, like the most people that had ever entered a contest. So no way. And it was like a ridiculous amount of skaters, and they chopped them down to sixteen for like for like the sem quarter, the semi final, and then the final was like eight. So it was like going for all these skaters to like sixteen, then eight. It's so nuts. And whereabouts? Whereabouts did you come? Um, I honestly can't remember. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I love that. It's really bad. I probably should pay more attention to that stuff, but I was just... The level at those events is so high. You know, like, you're skating against the best in the world, so it's like, it doesn't really... Like, you're not trying to aim for first, second, and third, like you would do at any other contest. You're just there to try and get as many points as you can to go towards qualification. Like, And that stuff I still don't understand. Like, I always have to ask, like... The team manager, like, how does this work? Because I still don't really follow it, which is kind of bad. I mean, I've been doing it for like a year now and still still get confused by it all. And have you been explained to like the way that the judging is done? Because I'm guessing that some tricks are scored higher than others and maybe something that I think is amazing might not actually get scored as highly as something else. Are you given a critorial 
from Skateboard GB about what you should be doing and what maybe you should be leaving out of your runs? Not really. Like, difficulty of tricks is the biggest one. Difficulty of tricks and use of course. So, obviously, the harder the tricks you do in the run, the more of the course you use in the run, the better the score's going to be. And, like, not repeating tricks as well. Like, try not to repeat tricks. But that's the that's what the judges set out from skate well, from World Skate. They, just, they basically tell you that, like, don't repeat tricks and use the course well. It's very similar to bowl and vert skateboarding then with regards to that traditional judging. Yeah. It's a very static, like, it's like a normal contest, but the level is ridiculous. And it's really serious, taken a lot more seriously than like, than like, I don't know, the house comp or something. Like where we'll just go and have a laugh, you know. Seeing you at NAS Festival, uh, you're someone who concentrates very strongly on their skateboarding abilities uh, and to like place quite highly. How was practice? And I'm I'm assuming that they didn't just let everyone skateboard. I'm assuming that it was heats and there was like six or seven of you skateboarding because otherwise that would have been carnage. So how was the overall warm-up sessions? Were they carnage or was it okay? They have heats of like, I think it was 20 skaters because the park was bigger than normal. So they had heats of 20 skaters and we had four, we get 45 minutes a day and we get three three practice sessions a day at 45 minutes. So it's not, you don't get a long time on the course. You're not allowed, it's not like, it's not like NAS or, you know, any other contest where it's just, you can go and practice for as long as you can until your body gives up kind of thing. It's like you have 45 minutes to skate and that's, that's when your time's done, your time's done. Wow. So that means that you've got to be quite a high level of skateboarding ability to be able to get your practicing in 45 minutes. Yeah, pretty much. Like you have to go in warm. Like you have to warm up beforehand. You can't go in cold. You warm up beforehand. Like you're just ready. And as soon as, as soon as they say right, forty five minutes has started, you're like already skating the big rail kind of thing. That's what I was like, just trying to jump on the big rail. As soon as I get in there, that's mad. I'd have mad jelly. It's legs. pretty nuts. When I first get in, I'm like, fuck. Like my legs will be like, I'm like, I'm not really warmed up enough. Like I'll skate for like an hour beforehand, and I'm like. Yeah, I feel warmed up, then get in there, and I'm like, I'm not warmed up at all, but I've kind of got to just send it now. We're here. No wonder there was a few, like, videos of slams, because I'm assuming that some of the skaters just didn't manage to get their, get their warm-ups in time. Yeah, I slammed a couple of times. It's just, the first slam's always, like, that warms you up anyway. When you have a good slam, that, that instantly warms you up. So get the adrenaline going. Two good slams, you're ready for the others. Did you get to see much of Dubai whilst you were there? Not really. Like, we were staying... Um, it wasn't actually in Dubai, but we were like, we, where we were staying was like, it was kind of good because it was like a hotel, but it was like an apartment hotel. So we had like a kitchen and all that kind of stuff. And with me, I was just like, I want to go skate. I want to go skate. So I ended up just going to like, I was going to the skate park like every day. And then we went to another skate park, which is in Dubai called X Dubai on our day off because we have one day off while the female skating's on. So we went to X Dubai on our day off and I end up I end up skating there quite a lot. How did you find X Dubai? That was sick. I like that park. It was really good. It had like a death rail thing that was fun. It was like a bump like a bump to rail and it was like if you sack it you're dead. Like there's but it was that was kind of made it fun. You had to just commit. I went there in twenty fifteen and that was one of the few parks that was uh, actually built at that time. And I saw a local just beginning to skateboard, and as I am, always encouraging. And he went down the flat bank, didn't bring in his knees, and just fell straight over and snapped his wrist. And it was one of the most horrible things that I've had to witness during, like, just a uh, chill session. Like, it wasn't even a competition or anything. He just went down, 
leant back a little bit and then, oh, it was really, really gnarly. And that rail, I saw footage of you doing, I think it was a kickflip blunt over that rail. And I, did, I wouldn't even board slide it. Back in 2015, I wouldn't even board slide it because it was like one of those things where there's nothing either side. So if you don't make it, you are slamming. Yeah, like you have to go fast. Like go fast the first few tries, kick it out and kind of just jump over it. And then once you once you actually like, right, I'm going to try it, you have to make sure you get in. If you don't get in, you're screwed. Like that's how I saw it anyway. Absolutely blew my mind when I saw you skating now. It's just like, we didn't even board slide it. And then that massive uh, vert wall, I saw a, a Danish skater rock, rock and roll it. I thought I was being clever getting near the top and then people are doing tricks on it and just like, oh, okay, I suck. How is it hanging out with the uh, Team GB guys and who are the Team GB guys that you were hanging out with in your in your complex? It was sick. Like So basically we went out there because the park was after the street, like the park's after the street. So it was only really me and Alex and um, Darby, Daz and Sam. Like that was, it was only us for like most of the time while we were out there. All the park guys came out later. Like we kind of we left on the Sunday when the park guys started to arrive, and like I'm really good. For my, me and Alex skate. Me and Dakuna skate together all the time. You know we're only like a couple, like an hour, hour and a half away from each other, so we skate together a lot. So it was like kind of good because I know Daz really well. I didn't know Sam that well, but like I was around people I knew, so it wasn't. You know, it's not like well, it didn't feel unnot like unnatural being there. You know, because it's like I know everybody. Anyway. And Sam Beckett's super chill. He's one of the most chill dudes I think I know in skateboarding. For someone who's got such a yeah, for sure. such a bag of tricks and is so talented on vert skateboarding, he's like one of the most chilled out skaters. Just like laid back. Yeah. Me and uh, Sam are very opposite skateboarders in that way. Although you do you skate transition too. I, I, I can do a front blunt and a blunt kickflip, but that's my... Transition done. I almost had skate transition. You dabble in it. You dabble in it. Where did you grow up and how old were you when you started skateboarding? I grew up in a little tiny village called Witcham, which is just outside Ely in Cambridgeshire. So it's like tiny. So literally there's nothing around. So I've got a field and a field and a couple more fields around me. Like that's it. And then like I started when I was, how old was I? Well, 11 or 12. I think it's got to be 11 or 12 when I started skating because uh, one of my friends who lived in the village skated and then I just saw him skating and then I just naturally grew to that. What made you start skateboarding then? Was it this friend? Yeah, pretty much this friend that just skated. He skated a lot. His, um, he had like a mini ramp in his like, shed in his garden. So I used to go there. And I used to skate with him. I learned to drop in on that mini ramp in his shed and all this stuff. So, does he still skate now? Who who is it? No, his name's Ed Richardson. He doesn't skate anymore. He like he got really focused on his like education and stuff like that. He was doing like, so went to uni, I believe, and like did all this stuff and kind of just faded out from skateboarding. And like a lot of the people I grew up skating with don't really skate anymore. I feel like I'm the only one that kind of carried on because where I'm from, such a small. There's such a small scene, like there's not even a good skate park. Like the closest skate park's Cambridge, and that's like, well, no, the closest skate park's Water Beach, which is like 25 minutes to 30 minutes, and then like Cambridge is like 40 minutes away from me. So it's like there's a scene in Cambridge, but around where I am, the scene people would grow up and skate, and then they'd get bored, move on, and then like I feel like. I'm kind of the only one left from my like generation of skaters still that actually still skates. 
How did you manage to get so good not being able to live so close to any skate parks? Did you used to get lifts with your parents? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I've got, like, where I live, I live on, like, a farm. So, like, I there was a patch of concrete that, that was just abandoned. So I kind of took that over and I was, like, building ramps and stuff like that on that patch. But they weren't good. They were, like, pallets and plywood. Like, they weren't good. So I'd skate that, like, every day. I'd just skate a flat bar. And then, yeah, like, on the weekend, my gran would drive me to, like, South Morgan, which is, like, an hour away or somewhere like that, you know? I think your testament to people being able to get good at skateboarding and not live very close to what they skate. Was there any street spots close to you? There's nothing, no. Absolutely like, there's, nothing. there's nothing. Like, like, pretty much where I live is, like, fields. There's no, I've got no neighbours or anything. Like, it is just fields. So it's pretty, pretty crazy. Like in the village, we've got like a street and a curb. We used to have a curb. We used to skate like a ledge, and that's about it. Like, but, and then I built a ledge and a flat bar at my house, and we used to skate that. But that's it. And even like in Ely, which is a city, it's counted as a city because it's got a cathedral, but it's pretty. It's not really. A, it's not like a big city. It's tiny. Like, that has, like, no spots either. It's all, like, cobbles and flat and, you know, there's not really anything. There's a few spots in Cambridge, but they're not they're not what I would skate. They're, like, more ledges and tech kind of style of skating rather than the bigger handrail side of stuff that I like to skate. It's similar to Sam Beckett's story in the fact, and Paul Luke in the fact that they didn't live very close to a vert ramp and they were travelling, like, two hours, I believe, to go to Corby. Uh, it's incredible that there seems to be yeah. this... The British like skaters seem to be able to get so good with the with the fact that they can't skate something continuously all the time. Like I live an hour from where kind of where Sam grew up. Like I live about an hour and a half from where Sam grew up. So it's very similar. It's a very similar area. It's very like farmlandy. Like you know, the east of England's a bit. It's very flat as well. Especially where I'm from. Like Cambridgeshire is like one of the flattest parts of England. I think I could be wrong, but I think it's one of the flattest parts of England. So spots are very few and far between like handrail wise like I, I like to skate and then parks like it's only been in the last only been the last like few like the last six or seven years we've started to get more parks like on good parks like not just these crappy plasticky like metal parks or whatever you know you skate street primarily however you said you started off skating mini mini ramp was it yeah how did yeah, you so well we had a we had like a we had a mini ramp and like a, a flat bar and that was it. So we how had a mini you, ramp and a flat bar. How did you progress from a mini ramp and a flat bar to sixteen stair handrails? Like, I don't know how that kind of happened. It would be like we'd go to Saffron Walden and Saffron Walden's like it's got a pretty big handrail there. Like it's probably one of the biggest skate park rails I've skated. It's like a fully like a legitimate street rail. And like, that was always a goal that like we'd go there every Saturday. And my goal was I want to boardside this big handrail that every like, so I just practice it. I just practice boardside on flat bars. And then like, we'd go to the like, other smaller parks and there'd be handrail, like a small handrail. And I just worked my way up from skating other parks. But like, my, I've always been influenced by big handrail skating, like video wise. So like, that's just kind of, I've just naturally, I've naturally just kind of gone to that style of skating, I guess. Who is your influences with with like skating handrails? Because when I was growing up, I always want I had like Tony Hawks and Steve Caballero and Ali Cairns and Pete King, and it always made me want to skate vert, even though I rarely skate vert. So who made you 
say, right, I'm going to skate handrails like they are? Well, pretty much, like, when I, I started skateboarding around the same time that um, Stay Gold came out. Like, I'd, I'd been skateboarding for, like, a year and a half, and then Stay Gold came out. And then when that came out, I started to understand more about skateboarding because, you know, once you're about a year and a half in, you start to understand tricks and what's happening. And then once that video came out, I saw primarily big handrails and, like, stairs and all that kind of stuff. So I'd watched that. And then, like, the Zero videos, I'd get influenced by the Zero videos. You know, people like Ben Grove and Harry Lintel as well. Like I'd look up to those guys because they're also skating big shit too. So I guess I've just always been interested in that, like, I'm going to do this massive rail. And now now I skate like that. I can I almost find that easier than trying to do a ledge trick. Like I couldn't even do a nose manual if I tried. Ben Grove getting another shout out. Ben Grove's absolute hero. I saw him in one of the Blueprint videos and I remember... I've always liked skating everything and I just remember being like the style I think he might have been the only one who had a grab as well in the uh, in the video and I was like yes this guy is a street skater and he does grabs because grabs were hated on in the early 2000s when did you go from skating like handrails and then like when was your first sponsorship who gave you your first sponsorship who saw you first being like oh my goodness this guy can skate Basically, this is like a long time ago. Like I, I didn't. I wasn't that great either when I got sponsored. Like when I first got sponsored, it was a skate shop in Cambridge called Billy's. It wasn't a skateboard-run skate shop. Like Cambridge has never like had that. It's had that. It's got that now. It's got like a small skater-run shop, I believe. But back then, it had no skate shop apart from Billy's, which was like a bike shop, a toy shop, like all that kind of stuff. But the people, the, the guy, the manager that worked there was he skate. He used to skate, and the people that worked there skated or BMX. So it was like it, people in there knew what they were talking about, you know. So they they were the first people that ever sponsored me, and they just like would give me T-shirts and give me discounts on boards and stuff like that. And that's all I really it? need as a kid because I was going, I was going for a board a month, you know. Oh my goodness, that's again another reason why I never got into street is just going through like the boards. I'd go street skating and just put my board, my foot through a board. How much discount did you get back then? I can't remember. It was like thirty percent off, I think. It wasn't yeah. crazy, but it helped, you know. Exactly. That's the only level I ever managed to get to was the old thirty or forty percent off. What made you love handrail skating over transition? I guess the feeling of it, like transition, transition. You have to go to the skate park and do it, and like I'd never, I'd never figured it out. Like I've tried to skate bowls and I can't figure it out. Because I, I appreciate all styles of skateboarding. Like I watch everything that comes out. Like if there's a bolt, new bowl part, or there's a new transition part, or there's a mega ramp part, or even a vert part. Like I watch everything. But I just I don't know. I feel like street just naturally came to me more. But then the people I was hanging out with were primarily street skaters. So I guess that helped. Like me. And then there was a guy called Ed Clark who was like he used to be on Unabomber and Etnies a long time ago when he was a kid. Yes. And he only lived. 10 minutes down the road from me and the, ne the ne one of the next villages over. Uh... And like, he, he, he skated a lot of rails. So I feel like we would like go to Saffron Walden a lot and we'd both skate that handrail at Saffron Walden. It kind of just, that helped me progress. I feel like in that, because he was really good at skating rails too. There I was trying to board slide it while he was like back lipping it, you know? And then me just wanting to get to that level of like, I want to back lip that rail. So like, I would work on that. And then I remember the the first weekend I went, I was like the first time I ever boarded that rail at South Walden. I was so stoked. Then the next weekend I was like, 
and, and then like maybe like a couple of weekends after that, I ended up front fifteen it, crooking it, smithing it, back feebling it, and front lipping it all in the same session because I was with with Ed. You've mentioned Ed Clark. You didn't mention any names from the Stay Stay Gold video. Was there any particular skateboarders like Ed Clark that you looked up to? Uh, I like Leo, Leo Romero was like when I was growing up. Leo Romero was quite a big influence. Uh, Figgy, you know, I was like Reynolds as well. He's a big influence on me because you know he likes to jump down big shit too. And I used to be into jumping downstairs as well more back then too. I used to like skating stairs. Now I've got older, I don't like skating stairs as much anymore. And also the Zero guys, like you know, you've got Dane Berman, Jamie Thomas. You've got like it's so hard to even mention them, like. I'm a big fan of like Ryan Desenzo. So like all my favorite skaters and like Jamie Foy as well recently, he's like one of my favorites too now. Like all my favorite skaters have all been like big handrail skaters. Um big like who likes skating big stuff, you know. I forgot that you were a Jamie Foy fanboy. In SLS 2019 when I sat next to his mum in the finals. <laughs> I still can't believe that. Everyone getting kicked out around me. And they didn't look at me once because I was sat next to Jamie Foy's mum. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned Andrew Reynolds and Jamie Thomas. Did you meet Andrew Reynolds in your recent trip out to the US? No, I met, I've met. i met Reynolds at NAS. He came to NAS uh, a few years ago. And that's where I met Reynolds, which is sick. And, and I've met Leo Romero at NAS as well. So that's pretty crazy, meeting two of the people I used to look up to as a kid like at a contest and in the same contest as them. It's pretty trippy now. It's like when I go, when I'm in these contests or when I go to like these Olympic ones or wherever I go, NAS or wherever, and I'm meeting people that I look up to, it's pretty crazy. It's like now like me and like me and Ryan Desenzo, like I never thought me and him would be friends, you know, because he's like, I've looked up to him for so long. But now it's like I see Ryan at a contest or like when I was out in America, I was skateboard. I went, went skating with Ryan a few times and I was out there, which is pretty crazy to look back on, like. Same thing with the Zero dudes. I never thought I'd be skating with those guys. So it's pretty trippy now. Looking like me as a kid would be like tripping out that like I'm skating with these guys, you know? How does it feel? Nuts. Like it doesn't almost doesn't sink in because when you're skating with everybody, it's like when you're skating with them, it's not like like the first day you ever meet them, they're like, oh, these are these people. Like, fuck, like, you know, these are big name pro skaters or whatever. But then after a while, you realize they're just people, you know? It's just like they're just like me and you. It's. Maybe they just want to fine. skate. Yeah, well, they're not like you, Rob. But well, I remember it's gonna be nice to you. <laughs> I remember meeting you at NAS, and I was giving out my uh, <laughs> I was giving out my skate wine stickers, and I remember giving them to you. And I'd seen you in Sidewalk magazine, and I was like, "Wow, this is Joe Hinson in the back of my mind." And I was like, "Oh, here's some stickers." And you were like, "You're that skate wine fella, aren't you?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I was like. Joe Hinson knows who I am. It's the same with like Ben Grove. Ben Grove moved down to North Devon and he was suddenly skating all the park close to me. And I, you know, my 12 year old brain was just like, whoa, these guys are amazing. And, the, and they know who I am. This is crazy. Yeah, I've got a funny story about Grove. I was at NAS as a kid. Like before I even skated the contest, like I was like, like 13 or whatever. And like me and Grove started talking and Grove was like, I said to Grove, I was like, can you get me on the course? Because... I was like, couldn't, you know what NAS is like? If you haven't got a band, you aren't getting on the course. But you know what Grove's like? He was like, nah. And he was like, nah, fuck it. Come on with me. And he just got me on the course, like without no wristband or anything. And as soon as someone said something to him, he was like, nah, he's with me. He's fine. It was so good. <laughs> I love that NAS keeps coming up in all these podcasts. 
little little skate event in Shepton Mallet, and it seems to be a huge uh, inspiration to a lot of British skateboarders. It's like one of the biggest events, isn't it? I guess of the year, like some of the biggest contests where all the American guys come over, the European guys come over. So it's like I guess it, I guess it is one of the biggest ones. Going back to your farm life, what what is it that you're? I guess are your parents both farmers then? No, so basically, my mum like owns a horse riding. Like she owns a horse, like horse riding school. So she teaches people how to horse ride. So that's why we have the place, and like she's done that since I've as long as I've been around. So it's like pretty much she does that stuff, and like my dad works as like the overhead. He does like overhead electric kind of job. He don't has nothing to do with like around here. But I guess that's very, very probably like why I end up doing the work I end up doing, which is like building fences and stuff because it's all stuff I've learned being around here. I was going to ask, as a pro skater in the UK and someone as talented as, as yourself, you've had to also have to get a, jo- a normal job. Yeah, I've never had the privilege of getting paid anywhere near enough to make a living from skateboarding. At the moment, I currently like run my own business. Like I run my own like fencing slash like, car- like a little bit of basic carpentry pretty much do a bit of everything I do. i've done like tree surgery i've done general laboring like all that kind of stuff just to earn enough money to go skateboarding you know as much as i'd love to be able to sit here and be like yeah man i get paid it's like the reality of being a british skateboarder is you don't get paid anything you do it for the love of doing it you know so you go from building fences to then ending up in dubai for the olympics yeah pretty <laughs> much that was crazy and when did you get on the olympic team what year was it that you got on the olympic team I got on the Olympic team last year, so what, 2022? The first event I did was Rome last, that was in June last year. And then I was meant to do a, an event in Rio, but they cancelled that event. And then that tight, that crossed over into the event that happened a few, like, uh, last month. As the Olympics in skateboarding started to grow and develop, and there was a possibility of it being in the Olympics, did you just set your mind on the Olympics, or is that something that just gradually developed? That's something that's just gradually developed. Like, if I'm honest, like, I'm the biggest skate rat going. Like, my main my focus has always been go out in the streets, get as much footage as I can. Like, you know, the contest thing has just kind of happened. The contest thing I would start doing because they were fun. You know, I never set on, I never go to a contest being like, I I have to win this. I never go with that mindset. I just go as a, I'm gonna go and skate with my friends because all my friends are going to this event. So we all go and skate, and then. If I do well, great. If I don't do well, it, you know, it happens. Like it's, we're all skateboarding. It doesn't really matter. I guess I was doing well at some contests, and then I guess it just kind of happened. And then I got asked if I wanted to be involved, and I was like, well, I'm not going to turn down the opportunity. But then it's not something I'm not going to take seriously. Like I'm wouldn't say training. Like I would never call skateboarding training. You know, but I'm skateboarding every day anyway. I skateboard every day anyway, so it's just like. Yeah, like, why am I not going to try and learn? I'm naturally learning new tricks all the time and, like, trying to get more consistent so I can go and do something down a bigger handrail in the street. So it's just natural, like, how it's all worked out. Who usually films you and and your skateboarding abilities? It's uh, my my very good friend, Charlie Batch. He's, uh, He's been filming me for the last couple of years. It has changed. It's been very, like, I was filming with a guy called Jason Emery for a while. He was just a friend helping me out. And then he kind of, you know, ended up having a kid and getting responsibilities, you know, because he's always been a bit older than me. And then I started filming with a guy called David Hayes. And the same thing happened. He got responsibilities and obviously couldn't 
be coming out and filming me in the streets for free anymore. It's a lot of work. So, and then I met Charlie. Like, I remember I met Charlie on Christmas Day. I think it was Christmas Day in like 2019. We went out and skated. Chris, we were the only two people at the skate park. And then for some, then somehow he ended up just becoming a filmer. Like he kind of <laughs> never set out to be a filmer. And now I'm just like, he's my go-to man when I need a clip. Yeah, Charlie's a good skater as well, which, excuse me for being rude to skate filmers, but actually I, I believe there's a trend now with skate filmers being as good as the people they're filming almost. And he's, he rips. Yeah, Charlie's sick. Like he can heel flip, he can do tricks I can't do. Like he can back heel stuff and he can like heel flip front board rails and stuff like that. Like he can skate really good and he can film really good. So it's like kind of an ideal thing. Like it's kind of funny. It's like an ongoing joke now that wherever I am, Charlie is, or wherever Charlie is, I am. Like we're always together. I wanted to say Charlie was your little filming Christmas present. Pretty much, yeah. Like, Charlie was my filming Christmas present. I was like, Dave had just basically told me, he was like, I can't keep doing this anymore because, you know, I get it. He, he's not getting paid for it, you know, and it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of driving. You know, me and Charlie, for an example, we travel like a few hours a like, weekend to go and skate. You know, when you've got that and you've got a, a girlfriend and a kid, it's, and you're like, and you're like late to, you're in your 30s, it's like, you can't keep doing it and not get anything out of it. And especially when like someone like with Dave, he had other things he was trying to do as well. He wasn't just, he got very into fitness and stuff. So he was like doing that and, you know, wasn't necessarily taking skateboarding. He still, like, was still skateboarding a lot, but not like he wasn't out every weekend with me. With me and Charlie, me and Charlie both like, I don't want to speak for him, but me and him both love skateboarding to a point where we, that's what we want to do all the time. That is one thing we have really have in common is we go out every single weekend and we skate. You know, even if we're not going out filming, we'll still go out and skate or he comes with me yeah. to the comp contests. I got really lucky with him because he's never, he's always filmed me and he never asked for anything in return. He's never really asked for anything in return. But like, I'm always like, if I earn any money out of a project, I'll half it with him. Or if I try and get my sponsors to give him stuff or... I'll give him, if he needs a board, I'll give him a board, you know? If he says, Joe, I need a board, I'm not going to turn around and say to him, I'm not going to give you a board because why should he have to, like, he, without him, without him filming me, I haven't, I, I realistically don't have any sponsors because without him filming me, I've got no, no one's going to be interested in me, you know? What was your first skate part? I've had, like, my own, like, little YouTube videos that I don't even think are still around anymore. My first, like, proper like my first proper video part would have been my karma part like my first proper like skateboard sponsor was karma so i guess that was my first real street part or maybe it was my silver trucks part well i can't remember which one came like i was getting silver trucks and karma from the same distribution and i can't remember which way around it was it was either my silver trucks part first or my karma part one of the two and which was your recent part that i watched which was insane was that the dark that star? Was Britannia. That, yeah, that was for my that was for my dark star part. That was twenty. Yeah, that was my last one. Was Britannia? You just made me think as well. You're skating huge handrails like, like Nigel Houston almost. And what always surprises me and amazes me is the ability for people like yourself to get out of the most insane falls. What's been the gnarliest slam you've had in street skateboarding? There's there's been a there's been a few lately, like, so the start of 2020, so, like, I 
tore my MCL and part of my meniscus. So that was that was me out for nine months or something. Then I recovered from that. Once I recovered from that, I then was like, yeah, I'm going to skate this massive 15 flat, 15 kink rail. Sacked it on the down bit, just where it kinked. Like literally where the rail kinked, I sacked it on that and broke my tailbone. I had to drive home as well. That sucked. And then, then like nearly a year after that, I then rolled my ankle really badly and couldn't skate for seven months too. So like the last few years, I've had such bad luck with injuries. Ah, oh, the tailbone. I did a blunt and then, like, to I take good slams all the time. I did a blunt to fake on a mini ramp, fell backwards onto my tailbone. And I, I, I believe the doctor said it was a possible fracture. I never had any tests or anything. But for two weeks solid, it was the most uncomfortable pain that I've experienced. Yeah, I could. I was three months like that. I couldn't do anything. Couldn't do uh, uh, anything for three months. It sucked. Three months. And even like I started skating after three months. Like I was like, I'm not not going to skate anymore. Even after skating for three months, like for nearly a year, I could still feel it when I sat down. If I sat down for too long in the wrong position, I could feel my tailbone hurt. It was so. That was maybe. That was maybe worse than my knee. Doing my tailbone was maybe worse than my knee because at least when I did my knee, I could chill. Like, you know, I could chill and do physio. Like I was doing a lot of physio when I did my knee. That kind of kept me sane. But then when I did my when I did my tailbone, I was like, I can't do anything. Like, I literally can't move. You've explained that perfectly. That was exactly the same. For those two weeks, I couldn't move to get comfortable. It was one of the most horrible feelings of an injury. Like, at least you only had two weeks. I had three months. It sucked. <laughs> how was the USA trip? I know we touched on it. I wanted to find out more. How were the parks out there? Your favorite park? Like, who did you meet? That was sick. Like, to be honest with you, the America trip was like, I went, I've been out to America previously with um, that when I was on Darkstar. So in 2019, Darkstar like flew me out to America when I first got on the team. Um, but this time, that was only for two, that was only for 10 days. This trip was like a full on, I was out there for like two and a half months, I believe. Like I was out there for quite a while. The old team manager of Darkstar, I just hit him up. I was like, because I won, when I won the UK champs in 2021, or sorry, 2022, I mean, when I won the champs in 2022, I won a trip to that Jackalope contest in Montreal. Oh, yeah. So they paid for my flight. They paid for my flight from here to Canada, from the UK to Canada. And I was like, well, if I'm already going that far, like, why don't I go from Canada to California? So I asked him, so so pretty much I asked, Skateboard GB really helped me out. They helped me out with a flight from uh, Canada to America. So they helped me out with that. Um, I fl- so I flew out from, I left England in like early August. I didn't get back here till like, I didn't get back to to uh, England by Halloween. I think I got back just before Halloween. That's when I got back. So I was out there for a long time. Pretty much, I hit up the old team manager. Basically, so Darkstar had the team manager. I knew him quite well. I met him the first time I went out there. Um, He was like, yeah, come stay with me. Like, you know, we'll film for Darkstar and whatever. Things happen with Darkstar. Not not the team manager's fault, just stuff with the brand internally happened. He ended up, like, getting let go from the brand. Which sucked for him, sucked for um, me because I got on really well with him. Yes. Um, but he, I, he still said to me, he was like, he was like, look, just come out, still stay on my, like, I was staying on his sofa. And then he got busy, he got busy like doing work. He obviously has to earn money. Phil, he's a filmer, so he had to earn money. 
So I ended up staying with my friend, like now one of my really good friends, Mike Burtis. Like pretty much I found Mike. I was like, Mike, like Lando's like super busy right now. Is there any way I can come stay with you? So Mike, Mike Burtis like literally looked after me so well. I was like literally living on his couch, like on his sofa, on his couch for like, like two months with him and his girlfriend in a one bedroom apartment. <laughs> and like the guy would literally, he was letting me have like, he was letting me take food out of his cupboards. He was like driving me around everywhere. He'd take me skating. Like if he couldn't take me skating, he'd link me up with someone who could, you know, he looked after me so good out there. And like, now he's probably one of my closest friends, along with Charlie, he's probably one of my closest friends. Amazing. You know, and he lives the other side of the world. It's pretty nuts. And what was your favourite skate park out there? Um, there was there was a few parks, but like there was a park that was like 20 minutes from his place, which is called Brea Skate Park. It's where Jeremy Ray skates quite a bit. And I actually met him there, which is pretty trippy, meeting Jeremy Ray at the skate park. And I filmed some stuff on his GoPro there. <laughs> that park's sick. That was probably one of my favourite parks because it was just, it had a lot of rails. It had a nice A-frame rail, a nice bump to rail and a nice big hubber. And it was never super busy either. What did you like most about being in, in America? Just the street skates. Oh, of course. Like, the parks are all amazing. The parks are great. And like, we'd skate park, we'd skate skate parks every day during the week. And then on the weekend, it was time to go street skating. And the, the street spots out there are like skate parks here. Like, did the street get... spots are so much better. And, like, did you get a lot of uh, footage then? Have you got footage for yeah. a new part, possibly? Yeah, so basically I've got... I ended up coming back with nearly two minutes worth of footage from America. Some went some went towards my film Trucks part that just came out. And then, like, well, the stuff that... So basically some went to that, like, a few clips, and then a lot of it got saved back for this new project I'm working on, which will hopefully be out soon. I don't know what's yeah. happening with that. That's down to... That's down to zero to decide when they want to drop it. But it's going to be, I'm hoping it's going to be for zero. That's the plan. So we can only hope, hopefully it's good enough, but they want to use it. And did you, did you hit any street spots in Canada whilst you were there? No, that was very contest focused. That was like straight from the hotel to the contest, you know, back to the hotel to the contest kind of thing, rather than the spots. How did you, how did you get on in that contest? Canada, I think I got second in that contest. I was well stoked. Didn't expect what? that. I was stoked. So, like, I went out there with very little money. Like, I was going out there with just enough to get by. And then I ended up doing quite well in Canada. I, had, I was like, when I, when I got second, I was like, yes, like, I'm, I've got some money now. We're chilling. How much that made my get? trip. That means I extended my trip for longer. I was only going to be out in America for four weeks. And I was like, fuck it. Like, I spoke to Mike. Mike was like, yeah, man. Mike was like, yeah, just stay here. So I ended up staying there for an extra month. So sick. How much money was it? Uh, I can't remember. It was it was like three thousand Canadian dollars. I can't remember what that is in pounds though. It was good. I was stoked on that. Like when I came home, I'm I, I was broke. I'm still recovering from that though. Like still recovering from that bit. I'm like I need to you know go come back from America and just like work my ass off trying to pay for trying to save up to go back. That's going to be me and April. Something I didn't touch on earlier, which I was meant to touch on, and it's going to be a nice transition from this into the questions that I've been given on Instagram, is I remember, I'm sure I remember you from being in Sidewalk Magazine. When, when was your first photo or piece in Sidewalk Magazine back when it was alive? My first, my first thing um, was, a, I had a first light. Yeah. I can't remember the year it was though. When was it? I was like really young. I was still like, it was before I could drive. So it's got to be, I got to be like 16 max. I was definitely 16 max kick flipping down this like 
three block thing. And like that I was stoked. Like all I ever wanted was like a I was like a photo in Sidewalk. And I remember just emailing Ben Powell being like, Is there any way I can get anything like get anything in Sidewalk? And he just replied, but I was like, Yeah, we'll give you a first light. Just like get a photo and we'll put it put it in. And I was like so stoked on that. He must have been inundated with kids sending him messages telling him to be in Sidewalk. I sent him a message when I was like twelve or thirteen and I'd learnt to backflip and, he, and I remember his reply was like your head was very close to the ground on that backflip. And that was it. That's really, he must have just been there all day replying to kids, like wanting to be in sidewalk. I know. I know. I, it, was, it was pretty crazy. Like, I just emailed him. I, don't, I can't remember how I got his email. I just emailed him. was like, is there any way I can get something in sidewalk? Like, and he was just like, yeah, like, we'll give you a first. I sent him, like, a link to some footage or something. Like, must have done. And he was like, yeah, just get a photo. And we can, like, start making, like, start working towards it. I was like, sick. And then, like, after that, I had a lot. I had more stuff when it was on, like, that was, like, when I was really young. And then Sidewalk kind of had that thing where it went online. Yes. And I had more photos in that online side of it. Because I I came in, like, a really weird period of where it was, like, Sidewalk was kind of not dying at that point, but the print had stopped, you know? And then I was going out of CJ a fair bit, and they were, like, putting the photos online. You know, having stuff in print was kind of non-existent at that point. But Sidewalk's always been one of my favourite magazines. Yeah, same. It's, it was a shame. So we, with the questions that I've got coming in from Ben Powell, have you, I'm, guess, I'm guessing that you gained a, a good relationship with him over that time. Yeah, like me and Ben, like, I think Ben was the person that, like, Ben was the first person to give me, ch- like, a chance, you know? Like, when no one really knew who I was, like, Ben was like, yeah, we'll give him a chance, give him a first light, you know? So I always feel like Ben's always kind of had my back which is sick and like i'll always have the utmost respect for ben and what he's done for british skateboarding you know right i'm gonna my phone wasn't loaded i'm gonna get onto these questions that have been coming in and one of them i have been pushing myself and pushing myself not to ask because it's a great question and it came in from somebody on the old interwebs so i'll go from the beginning uh, oh, I'll try and do the screen. I'm a bit nervous about these. What are you going to ask? Oh, me? there's some, there's some good ones in here. There's some good ones in here. Right, the first one is actually from you, which I'm going to have to blank out. Why is he such a see you next Tuesday? I love it that you came in straight away with a question to yourself. The next, okay. The next one is from somebody who I don't think I've actually met in person, but we're really good friends. He's got a uh, Mexican wife, and he lives in uh, Devon, so we've got a lot in common. Skeletal guy has asked. Does he remember how brutally strong Oath skateboards were? We both ro- we both rode for Oath, but never got... Uh, I'm guessing there's more, but there isn't any more on there. So never got to meet, I think, was the was the question. Oh, yeah, I remember Oath. Oath, Oath skateboards used to just give me wheels at the time because I was on Karma. Uh... And they also used to make wheels. To go through a lot of boards and Oath were just like, we can't give you boards. Like, it's just too much. Like, I was going through like three boards a month at the time. I was like, yeah, we can't give you this many boards. So they were just giving me wheels. But their boards were good. They were like made of bamboo. The next one comes in from Ben Powell. And I hope I've done a good job here. I said to Ben, the first time I met Ben, I managed to not press record on my external audio recorder. So like the one person... I think I remember that. The one person I've ever messed up so badly on, it had to be the media, the media mogul king of the UK British skateboarding was Ben. Uh, he's asked, can you rinse the hints? <laughs> you have to ask him about that one. Which I hope I have. Oh, is that actually a, is that an in-joke? 
No, basically, he just always said that was his. He he came up with that, and like pretty much, I don't know if you can. You got to ask him. <laughs> I, I want to get Ben on, so that will be a question for Ben in the future. You have to ask Ben that. That's one for Ben. Uh, another one from Ben. What did Jamie Thomas say about the wooden run-ups, run-outs? Jamie Thomas was like, he's not that bummed about it because he knows the spots are fucking rugged here. Like, you know, like, let's be not in the UK, it's not California. So, like, the handrails are, like, twice, like, the handrails in California are quite a lot lower than we are here. So, like, you know, the, the cover that I had with Companion recently, like, that rail's really tall. So it's like, you have to have wood or there's no, it's not doable, like. The rails I want to skate, I have to make skatable. There isn't, if if I don't make them skatable, there's no rails for me to do like that. So it's kind of like, kind of got to do it to do what I want to do. If not, I'm just going to skate the same handrails all the time, you know? I remember you saying at the SLS that there was a couple of Americans over for it. Um, and you said that the, the Americans, when they come over, they can't believe how rugged the British streets and the street spots are. Like Dean Lane, for instance. Is it, I mean, it's got better, but it used to be a really rugged park, and people would just come in and be like, "God, oh, this is not, this isn't California, this isn't New York." Like, yeah, for sure. Like the thing with the British skating is like it's weathered, isn't it? And it's just like we have to make do with like I'm not saying they don't have to make do, but like Bondo here is not really a done thing. You know, making spots good like skatable isn't a done thing. I do that quite a lot now, especially after being there and you know being. A, Involved like with the American side, it's like I bond out spots all the time now. I like fix spots, but a good rail here is terrible in America because the the rails here are taller. They're short. They're like they're tall and short, or they're like tall and long and just tall scary and, and not nice. So the ground's really rough, or there's glass everywhere, or you know what I mean. It's just there's always something wrong with the spot. Yeah. Next one was from Callan Patterson too. Uh, he's asked why. Dark Star to Zero Switch, which I have been putting off for so long. So basically, there was a bit of a. So with Dark Star, I was really stoked on Dark Star for a long time. That's like you know I have a lot of respect for Chet and like everyone up there. And Ryan, he's one of my favourite skateboarders. But before I was out in America, when the team manager got let go of the brand, when the team manager I got on, we've got let go of the brand. Not a lot happened. There were some people that were like, you know, people were doing the job that he was doing basically for free, that there was not the budget there. Dwindle had cut people, but budgets a lot. And like, we've all seen the state, what's happening with Dwindle right now. Like, I don't know the ins and outs of what's happening at Dwindle, but it seems to be very, a very bumpy road right now. So I feel like that was kind of the start of that. And then when I went out to America, there was no brand mat. There was no like brand. Oh, so there was no team manager for Dark Star. So it was like getting boards was a bit weird. And I'd ask for boards, and they'd send me four. And like I was in America for two months or whatever. I needed more than four boards because I was skating every day. It was getting a bit weird where nothing was really happening, you know. And I felt very isolated being in the UK. I, was, I felt like I was just their UK guy, and they weren't really yeah. doing a lot with me. Before that, I was really stoked on them. Like I was never thought I'd leave. I thought I'd be riding for that brand for so long. And then pretty much, I just saw like how it was, how everything that Dwindle was going, and you know how people were talking about it. I was a bit like, you know, I don't want to just get home and then nothing happens. I remember I met up with, um, I met a guy Kanan Dern who rides for Zero, and like he had a, the last part in Painkiller, the latest, latest video, which is like one of my favorite videos. I can't remember how it came up. He was just like, he, he, we were skating this like at OC ramps 
he skates racing around. So we were skating there when he was like, oh, what are you doing for boards? And I kind of told him I was on Dark Star and, you know, things are a bit rocky there. People don't like know what's happening. And he was like, oh, I'll send, like, I'll send your footage to Jamie if you want. And I was like, yeah, like, I'm down. But I never thought I'd get, I was like, yeah, I'm down for that. But I'm never going to get anything back. You know, it was like, yeah, here's the footage. I'm never going to hear anything from this. Next thing you know, Jamie like DMs me on Instagram. Was like, remember, I want a phone. I was like, and I was tripping. I was like, what the fuck? Like, the owner from one of my favorite, like again, another one of my favorite skateboarders from one of my favorite companies is literally DMing me asking me for my number. So like, I was tripping on that for a start, and then he was like, yeah, like we want to give you boards. I was like, I was like, but then I had this loyalty to Darkstar, so I was like. I try and stay loyal to all my sponsors. I don't like jumping around. So like, I felt really loyal to Darkstar. I said to Jamie, I was like, look, like I'm a big fan of Zero. Just like, let me have a little think and like, you know. But I'm as like, I'm down. I told him I was down, but I need to speak to Chet because Chet, yeah, again, he was the first person to like give me a chance with the American industry to get me put me on Zero as like, sorry, put me on Darkstar as an AM because he was the first person to be like, we're gonna put you on as an AM. So Amazing. I phoned Chet up. I was like, what should I do? And Chet was like, and you know, Chet was a pro skateboarder. He he gets it. And me and Chet had lunch. Chet was like, if I was you and then a professional skateboarder, I would take the zero thing. So like with with Chet's blessing, I was like, I said to Chet, I was like, look, with your blessing, I'd like to do this. Chet gave me his blessing and was like, you should do this, basically. So I phoned Jamie's back and I was like, I'm down, like, let's do it. And then apparently I think Chet spoke i don't know like i think chat actually phoned jamie and spoke to jamie basically saying he had jamie had like sorry chat had given jamie my that his blessing that i was that i could go to do this thing with zero wow so like so pretty much so jamie phones me he's like yeah man like we're down next thing you know jamie was like yeah i'm gonna just drop you off some boards he was coming they're from san diego i was staying in orange county and he was driving to la which is like halfway in between and he was like yeah like i'm driving to LA tomorrow, like I'll drop you some boards off. So the first day I met Jay, I've never met Jamie Thomas before in my life. And he just turns up with like a box with four boards in it, four t-shirts, stickers, and I'm just like I'm just like sick. Like I'm just like trying not to fan out at this point, you know? Because it's like it's Jamie Thomas, he's like one of my favorites and my favorite company. And then like pretty much I was then that weekend I think I ended up like going on a mission with like the zero guys and like meeting them and stuff which is sick like I got to meet guys like Dane and you know Kane and I got to I got to know Kane quite well when I was there and you know Reggie Kelly like all the ams and stuff everyone was there and it was just kind of trippy being on the and I remember the first time I went skate street skating with them I didn't get a single clip I got so broke off I couldn't walk though I was like so juiced i was like yeah i'm gonna get clips this weekend this first weekend i went out of them i just got broke off trying like trying to do this like trick over this gap to rail and just couldn't do it trying too hard like yeah the next day i could not walk but i luckily went back like a couple of weeks later and got the clip nice but i am yeah so jealous like tony hawk's pro skater zero i believe was one of my favorite brands in the game i like the graphics i like the simplicity of it and uh, also the like originality absolutely stoked to see that you're on on zero now we'll follow on to the next question um alec alec fenton uh says when will you learn nolly flips 
that's how I'm never going to learn nolly flips. I can't nolly flip. I've tried. Yes, I have a trick that you don't have, like one of maybe two million that you have the other way around. Alex has been helping me with the whole Olympic stuff. He's quite good at the contests. Like, he's quite good at like figuring out like runs and stuff like that. So I've been working with, I'm starting to work with Alec a lot. He's He works at Flow. He's like the head coach at Flow. Is this Alec Fenton? So like, I've been going, yeah. So oh, okay. I'm going to go down and skate. So he's gonna, he's helping me with my runs and stuff like that at contests and stuff. That's amazing. Thank you, Alec Fenton, for that. <laughs> Mate, nolly flips and nolly hard flips are the only street flip tricks I've got in the bag every time. Although I've kind of lost my nolly flip. So that's hilarious. I, every skate park I go to, I just... Pick, get out a nolly half flip everyone's like well we can street skate and it's like no it's the only flip trick i can do uh <laughs> next in we've got gavin swaffield photography bondo or plywood run-up landing people are people are going in hard on the on the bondo stuff aren't they i know make life easier for that like bondo no matter, you've just got to make the spot skatable like what does it matter if there's plywood or bondo like you know as long as it's not as long as you're not building like as long as you're not like building the rail as well like and it's the skate park at that point but like to skate some of the stuff i want to skate i have to do that or it's not skatable man i think it's cheeky that they're pulling this out because even in america you've got that massive three stair that they have a roll in for at that that um american school i can't remember what it's called hill hilden uh, i know the one yeah i can't the name though and then you've also got uh, the Lion 25. Everyone was going off because uh, Jaws used a um, quarter pipe to get the speed. It's like, I don't know. I get the like core, like you've got to run and go as fast as you can. But at the same time, I'm like, you go and do the Lion 25 without... You just go and try the Lion 25. Leon or Adam. I feel like people's just like, you know, it's all, it's, I just take it as it's all laugh. Like no one's actually like being mean about it. Like, you know... People give me shit about it all the time. They're like, oh, you use word and whatever. But it, the reality is, I'm feeling like, I don't really, mark, like, people can make fun of me for using word and bondo. But it just makes my life easier. Like, I'm more than happy to admit that. And the, I mean, like, the front cover of Companion is insane. Did you use bondo for that one? No, I used wood. That was wood for that one. Wood. The ground was, like, rough. It was, like, gravel. You have to get the, the old big soft like wheels. Gravel. Yeah. So, like, basically, the ground was, like, gravel. The rails, like up to my ribs so we had to like basically come out a couple of steps like it was not skatable without putting the work in to make it skatable is there footage of that yeah that will hope that should be in my new zero part i am looking forward to that i am looking forward to that uh fellow fellow winer of the wine club uh big fat mush shout out sturdy says what's the best thing about being a british skater i think you just stand out more like especially the way i skate like if i was in america I feel like if I was in America, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand out. Like I would just be another handrail kind of kid. But like here, I feel like the handrail things kind of died down. Like it's not like it was in the early two thousands where people were all skating handrails. It's now people skate very much more uniquely than what they are, like than what they were back then. Like we were copying America. I feel like in the two thousands, and you know now it's like we're doing unique stuff. But I feel like I can't make that stuff like look as good i can't give it justice so like i feel like i found my niche and my niche is the big rails so i guess being like a uk skater skating big rails that makes that makes it different to the american brands rather than me just being another california big rail skater you know definitely that follows on nicely to how does it finally feel 
uh, I should read this the right way around. How does it feel to have finally broken out into the US side of skateboarding? No, it's sick. Like, it's fucking rad. I couldn't, like, when I got on Darkstar, like, properly, like, I was kind of, like, well stoked that that was happening, you know? And people knew, like, cared enough to be like, yeah, you're am for this American company. And then now being on Zero, like, you know, getting boards from Zero, it's crazy that, like, Jamie Thomas knows who I am, you know? Blows my met, mind on that stuff. You've met but. him and he's just dropped off some boards to you in Orange County. Yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing. So all three of these are from Big Fat Mush, uh, or four, there's another one. How much are you hating this interview? Thank you, Sturdy. Uh, a lot, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this next one, I, I love this next one from my Calangelos underscore WTF. Do you have for breakfast? <laughs> Which I think is great. I don't really eat breakfast, so I don't know. Just drink, have a cup of tea, and then go to work. Mate, breakfast <laughs> is the most important day, meal of the day. I know, but I wasn't like waking up late and like just running out the door, trying to not be late. <laughs> That's it. That's the roundup of the the questions. I've got a final question from me. Can I have a really old, grubby, second-hand Zero hoodie at some point, please? When I get some more, yeah. You can indeed. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jamie Thomas. Perfect. I'm going to round when, it up. When I, we just... when I get more. Basically, Jamie had to send me one from America because I, didn't, I really wanted a skull hoodie. And, like, all my clothing's come from when I was in America, so, like, he had to send me one specially. Uh, please, can it be that skull hoodie? Or a skull hoodie? I will be... Internally um, grateful. Uh, yeah, you can have one when I get another one. But it will cost you 50 quid. Oh, fuck me. Finally, finally, uh, thank you ever so much for the interview. Like, last second. I think it was on Wednesday that I said, do you want to get a, get an interview in? Uh, it's been really, really good conversation. Do you have anything, any shout-outs to your sponsors? Any shout-outs to people in general that you'd like to do? I've just got to shout-out all my sponsors. Like, without them, I wouldn't be skateboarding. Like, Super 8, the skate shop Super 8, Jessup Grip, Zero like film trucks, speed lab, skateboard, these nuts, like I'm probably, I'm going to miss loads, like 360, Lakai shoes, like without all my sponsors, I wouldn't be able to keep skateboarding because I go through so much product, you know? So without them and then without Charlie too, like without Charlie filming me all the time, like I'm screwed. So he's the one that makes it all happen really because he's the one filming me. Yeah, I'm stoked you didn't leave out Charlie. That's amazing. Perfect. Thanks ever so much, Joe Hinson. Uh, great chat. No Hopefully, we'll get another one no in worries. at some point. Yeah, don't worry. I'll, when you've paid the invoice for this interview, then I'll do the next one. <laughs> Hero. <laughs> Thanks ever so much. What, mate? No worries. Take it easy. That was a fantastic interview. Thank you ever so much to Joe Hinson. Shout outs to Jamie Thomas. If you could just send Joe Hinson an extra hoodie, that would be amazing. Really good conversation. Again, you can check us out on Amazon, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM. Uh, we've got Sean Goff coming up. We've got Tim from Flatspot Magazine. Hopefully, we're going to get Lizzie Armento at some point. If you have questions, let me know. Thanks for tuning in. Hit the old subscribe button on whatever platform you listen to. Give us a review if you want to give us a review. If you want to be a partner in this, give us a message. And peace out till episode seven. Who are you guys working for? Who is this? It's uh, Skate Wine. Oh, beautiful. Did you say Skate Wine? Yes, yeah. sir.